Our This Week in XR podcast is sponsored by our friends at Sapper, the world's leading augmented reality platform and creative studio. With over 11 years of experience working with the world's biggest brands through Zapper Creative Studio. Zapper also has an award-winning web AR platform, Zapworks, that lets you create your own mobile AR magic. Finally, check out their Zap Box, the most affordable mixed reality headset on the planet. Start creating AR over at zap.works or talk to them about your next AR project at zapper.com. Good morning, everybody. I'm Charlie Fink with Ted Chilowitz. It's This Week in XR, September 15th, 2022. Good morning, Ted. Morning, Charlie. Always nice to see you for our weekly get-together, talk about all kinds of interesting things. And our guest today is Tipitat Srinivasan, the general partner for the venture capital fund, the Venture Reality Fund. And who we're both very close friends with. Yes, been... he's and and uh, he has, as I said, where there's smoke, there's Tipitat. And he's got himself involved with uh, a number of unicorns and other companies that have received big rounds lately and uh, really always seems to be in the center of the action. So... Uh, I'm and sure he'll have some many, many uh, world travels together, uh, talking about <laughs> uh, the various stages of development. He, he's he's got a bit of the Midas touch. He knows how to pick, uh, and yeah. and so it'll be a good conversation. Yeah. So let's get to the news. Haptex, twenty three million dollars for our friends with uh, yeah. VR gloves. Yeah. So you know, continues to 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 show promise, right? I mean, I I've always found it hard pressed to really find. The dynamic use cases at a wide scale, but certainly for industrial well, there, use, there, 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 there are two things. One is the gloves are so sensitive you can feel sensations of rain in your hands or holding a mouse in your hands. So for scientific applications that you might be performing in uh, remotely, um, with or without a VR headset, uh, could be very useful. Right, industrial level. Uh, yeah. You know, so I think there are, there are industrial applications, uh, not a million of them, but they're very specific, but there is no other solution. Yeah, I remember at a, at a future storytelling conference a number of years ago, uh, they had an early demonstration unit and they put, they had a, a Vive on, put a virtual spider in my hand and then yeah. had that spider <laughs> run up and down my hand. And yeah. it was truly terrified because you looked out at that spider and you really feel like that spider's on your hand. I, I have a, a soft spot for these guys and I'll tell you why. When yeah. I first started writing about VR in 2016, the first thing I came across was this photo of someone suspended in the air wearing a haptic suit and gloves and a VR headset. And I thought that really would be, other than world-scale free roaming, the only way to really put you and all your senses and all your physical sensations into a computer-generated environment. And it was just so exciting to me. I, you know, set up a meeting with Jake Rubin, the CEO, when I was in Seattle just to, to meet him and, and hopefully to get some stuff to use when they did things that were newsworthy. And there was Joe Michaels, who was his chief business officer, who I had worked with at AOL two million years ago. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, it just made me feel like, you know, this was something that, uh, it, you know, they had to pivot to something real. Right. That rig was never going to be made. Right. And so they ended up with gloves. And I think it was a good call. And it, it's surprising that there are so little, so few competitors in this space. Well, yeah. And certainly, you know, investment dollars are recognizing that there will be a vertical for this. And 
they could see a return on the investment, right? I mean, if we, they could just be made consumer-sized, even if they were on the high side of expensive, you can imagine them enhancing uh, VR. But I guess the way we're going is with the outward-facing sensors uh, detecting hand motion. So, uh, you know, I don't think gloves a la Ready Player One are going to be the direction. Yeah, probably not a mainstream consumer play, at least not for the near term. So we'll see if they can, you know, do well with industrial use cases. There's plenty of industrial use cases that are happy to spend money on this stuff. So we'll see. An another financing news this week, Cognitive 3D raises $2.5 million in a mm -hmm. seed round. They're a Vancouver-based company, and they collect data from gaze in 3D environments, mm -hmm. both in VR and also on other devices. So that's sort of an obvious, that's another one of those. You mean there are companies that already do this? Yeah. Very futuristic and also you know brings up some ethical discussions that we always have about how much information do we want to allow you know from right. the you unconscious would, mind you, of what you're looking at if someone is tracking your gaze you would want to know yeah exactly, exactly. um <clears throat> this week was the roblox developer conference not they didn't generate a lot of big headlines but i thought there was a lot of interesting news in this uh they're putting 35 million dollars into a developer community which you need to do because I don't think the game is generating enough money for people to do development. Right. So and gonna, I think they're, they're they've got existing, model, right? they've got existing guys who should be growing and they have to put some wheels under them. Right. They've also got a lot of professional developers getting involved, uh, which is a good sign ish, depending on what they do. Uh, and then they're making their avatars much more expressive. This I thought was the most interesting because it's emphasizing a social part of Roblox. Yeah, uh, the avatar play and the ad that they're going to start. They're going to add ad advertising, which also will reward people uh, who create entertainment that is not games. Right. So it'll probably bolster the sort of dipping stock price that they've had. And, you know, it's all it's interesting. Well, is the uh, dipping stock price them or is the dip, dipping the stock price the market it's the market but you know it, it it's them as well i mean it's it's all these companies that are a little overblown on how much money can they really generate so you know they've got to sort of prove it out and ad model is yeah. a way to prove it out um i i the got the i got the feeling reading about the news that they're kind of moving away from kids begging their parents for robux yeah. and hoping the parents are the ones with the robux it's look, and it's going to be a very tough play. I mean, you know, generationally, we know kids do grow up last time we checked, right? And they modify and migrate their gaming platforms to different, more maturity as they grow up. Uh, but what was interesting, and I'll, I'll refer to our friend Matthew Ball, who always has these really good nuggets about things. And something he mentioned in his book was that Roblox of all the different interactive companies puts significantly more of a return on investment back into the development of their product yes. than any other company. And it's part of why they're so successful is they really focus on the experience and allow developers to cultivate it and allow users to really enjoy it. So I think that's a really interesting leading indicator that they continue to believe in that thesis that they're not there for overt profits. They're there to find exactly the right profit and the return that they can bring back into their product to make it successful. And that seems to be working for them. It's uh, it, it's not a static thing, right? Sometimes you get there and you have to uh, keep chasing and keep pivoting it because it right. takes a while. 
right? So by the time you get there, the game has changed. I think that's a little bit of what's going on with them right now. Yeah. Um, but I like that company. And, uh, you know, full disclosure, I do have a small amount of stock uh, in Roblox. And, uh, you know, I bought it at their IPO price because uh, I think they've got a really interesting thing going that can continue to grow. Um, so here's a fun story this week, just pure fun. Meta's Cambria, uh, soon to yeah, be no, called no, Quest no, Pro. The there was an unboxing leak. leaked, but wait, by a guy who works at a hotel named Ramiro Cardenas. He claims to have found the box. And here's the amazing thing. Okay, you found a box and you open it. All right, you tape it, I guess. Um, but then you post it not on... Um, you, you post it not on YouTube, um, but you post it on Facebook. Facebook, right. <laughs> Which just seems obvious, <laughs> right? Not TikTok. Meta and Facebook. Meta is Facebook, right? So, <laughs> yeah. so I, I think there was also an accidental on-purpose thing with Apple Watch, like four or something. Yeah, so this is not yeah. a new kind of stunt. But I, I, I find it most, very, I can't read this story without smiling. Well, I think the most telling part of this is that your average hotel worker was aware enough of virtual reality that he knew that there was something interesting here. And he was going to unbox it. Oh, and, and it said that that was a good, that's a good leading indicator, Charlie. And, and Cardena said it wasn't the only device that was left in the room. Interesting. I mean, it's like, oh, there was someone that stupid or hungover. Yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, I mean, those guys do work long hours, right? So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, here's another one. Pro that's uh, fun, and we've talked about this company when they uh, launched Status Pro, uh, the the company that's formed by the professional athletes right. um, to do VR simulation for training and for gaming. So they're launching Pro Era, which is the first uh, official NFL title on Quest and PSVR. And if it's half as good as the trailer, right, as opposed to other football sims, you're not being rushed by a little square with a football helmet on top of it. You are it's being rushed player, by, right? you know, a uniform. So that, you know, even just forget about the game, just the commercial is totally worth it. Yeah. When I'm back from this trip, I'm excited to play it. It's next on my list. And I'm a, you know, I look, I'm a big Madden fan, have been for years. So if this holds up to the quote of this might be the Madden of VR, then it'll be a huge hit because there's a huge. Well, thing, you, know? you know, my older son has been holding off on VR because he says it doesn't make the games he likes to play yeah. better. Right. And what games does he like to play? You know, the hockey game. He I likes Madden, that, right? you know. And so uh, he, he actually even said, when I can be the quarterback in one of those VR games, give me a call. But did you ever put him in the original VR sports? Because the original VR No, he sports actually, well, I think we talked about this He yeah. uh, when we played with him, but he likes Golf Plus. Right. And we've had we've had Ryan, my my son, for those who care, is a professional golf instructor. Yes, we've we've of, gone out with of him. all things. Uh, so, oh, we've got Tibetat in the green room. Let's bring him in. Okay. But yeah, VR sports was one of the early standouts for me as a really good simulation. <coughs> and like the ball, fitness. Oh, team. look at this! Look at the background. We don't even have to introduce this you again. Self promoting. <laughs> And I love Can you guys hear me okay? 
Yeah, you look great. Good morning. Oh, thank you. You like the, you like the Pokemon? I we do very much. Thank you. <laughs> very well. You are a Niantic shareholder. No, I am not a Niantic shareholder. I thought you had. I thought you had something to do with Eighth Wall. Uh, oh, I guess through Eighth Wall, but we actually like it's complicated. But since it's a it was like a safe and so it was like a debt instrument so we got paid out we didn't actually uh, get on okay it. well that's never bad no <laughs> well tip that you've got it looks like you have all of your investments behind you is that correct or, or most of them to the actually this is a little out of date now I, I this is kind of my bad i need to update this so this is missing a lot of the newer companies but okay. this is a good snapshot of at least uh, fund one. And so now, you know, we're on to fund two. And so we've done okay. 10 investments out of the new fund. And so this portfolio has definitely grown. I think well, before uh, you joined, we yeah. were talking to Charlie and I were talking about that you have one of the rarest Midas touches around VR investing, because even on this list behind you between Alchemy that makes uh, you know, job simulator. And of course you're an early investor in Beat Saber and uh, you know, Epic you, games. You I mean, more. come on, man. Yeah. You and I mean, Sony. <laughs> epic epic is definitely one of those like you know we typically are early stage investors so we already like epic was already huge and then the, right. we had the opportunity to throw a little bit of money so it's like but they course, are so like, central yeah. in the whole conversation about uh the web becoming more 3d and building Absolutely. fortnite to you know remember ready player one started with a game oh yeah absolutely and the, right. and the game was so popular and so useful for socializing and for business that every individual and institution and even the competitors of that fictional company, Gregarious Games, decided to use their platform. Yeah. And so I don't know that that's going to happen with Fortnite, but I thought that is plausible, actually. Well, I mean, you're starting to see it's starting to happen, right? We're seeing the, 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 the cracks in the armor that people are using these things well beyond their intended purposes, which is really interesting. Absolutely. So Tipitat, you should you should tell our listeners and our viewers, some people watch this on YouTube, but most listen to it as a podcast. Um, just you know, your trajectory, right? Because yeah, we I'm were talking what Ted was was about to say was <laughs> we had our own little green room before we jumped in and said hello. And I said I had done some research uh on your background before we had you on the podcast. And I noticed that you had you went to Stanford and then you had a career as an art director and as an artist. Yeah. Uh, I mean, honestly, growing up, my passion was always just animation. And I, I just love like, you know, even back in the day, I'd like do stick like, you know, flip book animation, stick figure animation. And, you know, this is the 80s and gaming came out and you're like, oh, my God, like gaming is the ultimate form of animation because it's like real time. You can control it. I really got interested in that. And so, yeah, I, I've always had this side of me that's just like, oh, God, like, I love magic. Animation is magic. Gaming is like the ultimate expression of animation magic. And I, I just want to start building and doing stuff. And, you know, crude experiments, you know, did stuff in, you know, making games on my calculator, like a lot of other folks I know. And then, you know, eventually graduating to like, you know, when the web was available, making like you know, web animations and web games and just, you know, in the very early stages of things. And what was really interesting about all of that was like, you know, it was kind of building up that, that idea that, you know, anyone can do this, you can make this, like it was possible and you didn't need all sorts of crazy stuff, like equipment, like, you know, and just doing simple things and, uh, you know, eventually it got to that point where yeah, I started professionally, even though I went to Stanford, I, I kind of didn't like it because I wanted to do art. I wanted to go to art school. But as soon as I got in, my parents were like, no, don't go to art school, <laughs> go to Stanford. I was like, okay. So I did that. Uh, but then, you know, I always 
just veered on to the art side of things. Like any kind of school, a club needed posters. I would like 3D render posters back in the time when, you know, 3D rendering was uncommon. And so I, I kind of got known for, oh, hey, Tiptat does like weird, cool art. And so then eventually, this is actually how I got my very first job. Uh, there was a Linux startup and this was back in like the first dot-com boom and you know the Linux open source movement. And they, there was this Linux startup and they're like, hey, like, uh, I, I think I'd done like artwork for them for one of their like grad school projects just for the fun of it. And then eventually when they did this startup, they're like, hey, we need someone to help us do art, like art direction for our campaigns and stuff. I was like, sure, why not? So I actually left school to be part of the first like dot-com boom. And it was like a, the Linux craze and it, it was really fun. And because I didn't really know much about photography, every, and it was like a Linux hardware company. They sort servers are called Penguin Computing. And mm. so I would actually just render, 3D render all of the product photography because I didn't know how to do a photo shoot. <laughs> but yeah, so, uh, you know, being part of the Linux movement, but just seeing, you know, again, that first like dot-com boom and just all the excitement and everything that was possible in the community was just exciting to be, even though I, you know, I was more on the art side, but just being at the for forefront of this like technology innovation wave. So then, you know, I, I, after, after kind of the bubble burst, I went back, got my degree just to make sure my parents were happy. And then I worked at uh, this really interesting computer vision startup that was started by Matt Bell, who would eventually um, start, oh gosh, what's the name of that company? I cannot think of any of it. That 3D scanning company, that, oh, that uh, Matterport. Matterport, right. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. And so anyways, there, I really got to play with like, you know, computer vision. And it was like this real-time interactive projection company. And I got to experiment with all sorts of weird, you know, technology and thinking again about like frontier tech and, and, and that magic. It was almost kind of like a, the floor of a cave, right? Of an immersive interactive cave. And just thinking, what's the possibilities? We started playing with like 3D cameras early on. Uh, we're, we're one of the big customers, you know, using PrimeSense cameras before they got acquired by Apple. Okay. And so I got to see a lot of this like foundation of like AR, VR technologies, right? And then eventually I left that and that, or the company uh, folded in the 2008 uh, crash. <laughs> and then I worked at a company with one of my friends who was doing a, a supercomputing company. And it was just a college friend and just a chance to work with a friend. That company wasn't going anywhere. And, you know, we were like, hey, this mobile gaming is starting to happen. You know, let, let, let's do mobile gaming. And so then, sorry, and sorry, this is really long. You can cut this out. If no, no, no. This, I love this. this is exactly what but, we want. It, it is that like windy road that you never know what's going to happen and where things are going. But anyways, so my friend and I were just like, hey, let's do mobile gaming. And I was like, okay, but I know art and my friend knew how to program. We knew nothing about the business side of it. So it's like, hey, I'm going to go work at a real gaming company and learn like the project, the business side of it, project management, you know, business development, all of that. So I, I, I snuck in to this company as their um, art director, but the whole time I just spent there just bugging the project manager, product managers every day about like, what do they do? How do they do it? Learning about analytics, learning these, like trying to learn these skills that I think I would need if I was to start my own company. And so then eventually the time came and me and my, my friend both left our jobs to start our, our small little uh, mobile gaming startup. And so we're working on that. And it was, it was interesting. It was, it was during that time, like, I guess this was like 2013, something like that, where, you know, mobile gaming was kind of exciting, kind of new. Uh, but at the same time, there's starting to be clear winners and losers in the mobile gaming space. And at that same time, that was when I saw the Oculus Kickstarter. And 
you know, I, I really didn't know anything. I, I always had that, you know, like most people, oh, VR should have been a thing. 3D engines have gotten so much better. Why isn't VR a thing? And so then when I saw John Carmack, you know, who's, you know, the God of modern gaming, when he gave it his blessing, I was like, okay, this is definitely worth like what, 300 bucks to find out if this is really <laughs> right. We're all so, in the same boat. We're like, this right? is definitely worth a couple hundred yeah, bucks. Yeah, John Carmack says something's good. I will throw money. I will check it out, right? So then I got, I got the Kickstarter. I, I got it. And I played with it. And, and that very first one, you know, the DK one, it was only three off. It was really rough. It made me motion sick. It was, you know, it was, it was rough, but it did show that consumer VR was coming on the way and it was going to be possible, right? And, and a couple of years, couple of iterations. And then it was really the DK two. When I had positional, like that positional tracking, six off tracking where you're just like, oh, VR is here. And it's better than I thought. Like it's like, it, it like hits your lizard brain in this way that, oh, this is more than what I thought was possible. So I was like, okay, what am I going to make? And even with the DK1, I was just making simple experiments because my background, again, art, design, and some, I wouldn't say coding, but copy pasta prototyping. <laughs> like I'm going to hacking uh, a simple prototype that you would show developers and be like, hey, make a real version of this. Uh, and so just making simple experiments, what would I make? And, and, and I remember thinking, God, if you could go anywhere, where would you want to go? And seeing... Someone had recreated like the Seinfeld apartment. And I was like, why would you want to go to the Seinfeld apartment? <laughs> like, I want to go to the Matrix. I want to like meet Morpheus. I want to like jump off buildings, dodge bullets. Why should why should there be gravity? Yeah. Right. right? So, uh, you know, just for fun, I, I need this very rough demo. And, and this was also too, like trying to play with what I thought was interesting in VR and this idea that like, that scene where Morpheus explains to Neo that the world is an illusion. I thought that was one of the most interesting uh, you know, presentations. And I thought like VR would be so powerful to make persuasive presentations. And if you could convince someone that the world is not real, then that's a powerful presentation. So I tried to recreate that scene. Uh, I think I found like a model of Morpheus from the game that was illegally ripped from the game. I threw that in, I made some of the assets and I created that little scene where Morpheus explains to me. And it's cool. Like when you start off, you follow Morpheus, it's in the construct, it's white. And then he walks around. And so he, he, he uh, like uh, controls your movement. And when you, when you follow his eyes, all of a sudden, the chairs are there, the, the TV's there, like all the stuff appears out of your gaze. But then when you turn around, it's there. like, so just playing with that kind of directed gaze stuff, right? Anyways, so I make that, you know, it, it's okay, it's, it's rough. But some other folks online that love the Matrix saw it. And they're like, hey, tip tat, we love the Matrix too. We love the Matrix too. What you'd build was kind of cute, but what if we built something that was really interactive? And so it was with Eric Bale and John Dadley. Uh, and they were like, hey, let's make this demo as cool as we can make it. Let's do like three interactive scenes. You know, you're going to be uh, yeah, jumping across the buildings. You're going to be on the rooftop dodging bullets. And then the final, you're going to do the rooftop or the hallway scene where you stop the bullets. And then the, it turns into code. And I was like, okay, sounds good. Let's try it. So for <laughs> nights and weekends, we built this rough little demo. And it was like, gosh. Like, honestly, it's magic, just, right? It's like this, these magic moments where you're like, yeah, wow. Just like the best scenes. And that idea too of like, we're not watching someone, right? Like our, our thought too was like, what would a virtual reality movie be? It would be like, you would live it. Yeah, you're and it'd be like right. what your dream, how your dream of that movie is. Like you don't dream of you watching Neo. You dream of being Neo and doing those things, right? So this is the big part for me was like, yeah, just programming this. And again, DK2, building this on my Mac, you know, and Eric is 
a fantastic artist, like AAA games artist working at Arcane Studio, but like even at the prototype, you know, gray boxing level, right? I was in charge of all the code. Uh, Eric was in charge of the art and making that jump program, I somehow accidentally cured myself of my real life fear of heights. Wow. Yeah. And that was my kind of aha moment of like, oh, wow. Okay. This is more than gaming. This is the most impactful, most you know, compelling medium that I've ever experienced. This is the ultimate canvas. Right. And thinking about, okay, what are the possibilities? What can we do with it? And this goes beyond gaming. This you know, affects how we learn, how we work, how we heal. Like everything will be impacted by this technology. So, so how did you take all, certainly like what you've described is the, the dream of most people is follow your passion, follow the things that you love and good things will happen and you'll make a living at it. You sort of prove that, but somehow, it, and I wouldn't even say you pivoted, somehow you arc this into like, now you want to make investments in He's other- He's getting people. to that part. He's getting to that part. Okay, okay, okay. Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. But, but, but that was exactly it though. You're exactly right, Ted. Like I was like, okay, I could be a developer and just like work on a little part of it or could I try to be more impactful? And so my thinking was, okay, no, I want to do more. I don't just want to make games. But I realized like I, I need to get out there. I, at first, I just wanted to show people what was possible with VR because most people still weren't really thinking about it. And so I brought this demo with my laptop you know, and the DK with the cameras, everything, right? And I would just bring it everywhere to all the meetups, to all my, my my friend's house, to dinners, to all the VCs I met when I was doing my own startup. Like everyone I'd talk to, I would just show. And I, I would show people in, like, I remember actually my partner, Marco, I was like, oh, you got to try VR. He's like, I don't know, I don't know. It's like, he tried the DK one. I was like, no, DK two is different. And so it was at the parking garage because he was CEO of a game studio, a game company. It was the parking garage in Menlo Park. And he opened up my trunk and he's like trying it in the parking garage, you know, <laughs> VR headset out of the trunk. And, and you know, I, just, I kind of felt like a rapper selling mixtapes, you know, like, like <laughs> at the street corner, just like hustling, showing people, trying to convert as many people as yeah. I could. And so I kind of became known as, hey, there's this guy, Tip Tap, he has a cool VR demo. And then I was really lucky, like uh, there was a VC that wanted to do like a VR happy hour because VR was, you know, hip and cool at that time. This was right when Oculus got bought, but before the Oculus had been released. And so there's a lot of excitement for VR. So then that opportunity to be like, okay, there's a VC, they're doing a VR happy hour. I was there at the table with like, you know, five other people. I'd never met them before, uh, but I was just there show, showing people the demo, getting people excited. And then the guy that ran the fund, he tried the demo and he was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Uh, you know, I, I like the way you think about VR. You know, we are thinking about doing a VR incubator, but no one on the team has any startup experience, has any VR experience, would you be interested in joining as a creative director, helping, you know, choose the companies, mentoring the companies? And I was like, okay. Well, that <laughs> and, was the moment. There and it was interesting. Like, I was honestly doing nothing at the time. Like, I'd left, like, I'd sold my mobile game startup because I just felt like VR was all I wanted to work on. And so I sold that company. And then I was really kind of like in between jobs and just, I, just trying to think, how do I get a foothold into this industry? And Funny enough, like one of the things was like, okay, could I be a VR developer? And so I actually worked at Samsung Accelerator, got a contract job as a VR, and I worked for Matt Milkinus, who ended up doing 6D. And so it was just like interesting where it's like, oh, you just don't know where things are going to go, but you just end up doing everything that you can to try to kind of, you know, prove that, that you can have something to contribute. And for me, a lot of it was exactly what you said, like building stuff, you know, like what was awesome about was Unity is free. I had, you know, a MacBook. You know, a thousand, fifteen hundred bucks. It's not that crazy. I didn't need to run server. You just build this stuff and you put it out there. 
and then other people start recognizing you and start like wanting to collaborate or well help you know promote if you've built something of value and I kind of just like pushed and pushed and pushed until I got to this point where now I was helping to run this VR incubator uh, like VR AR incubator accelerator I got to pick some of the first companies you know work with them talk to them and more importantly I think yeah when I talk to developers, because I'm a developer, you know, because I had built product myself, I could talk to them on a level that a lot of other VCs just couldn't. And especially in the very early days when a lot of, um, you know, people just were coming new to the space, didn't understand computer graphics, didn't know the difference between 360 video and real-time interactive like Unity and Unreal, right? And I could help both connect with the developers, also connect to the VCs and explain to them in a way that made sense to them. And I well, realized being that bridge was very valuable and that- and and I would say to sort of like hone this into something that everyone can relate to, I'd be really interested if you could talk a little bit about your early connection to Beat Games and Beat Saber. And at what point did you recognize that this was going to be something? Because you and I were doing a lot of conferences running around the world a couple of years yeah. ago. And we were like, this Beat Saber thing is really happening. Like people are getting behind it. And I was like, and I was a big fan of it super early on. And I was like, this is a big part of the future. But you, you know, from an, a venture investment standpoint, you had to have that instinct that this was going to be something. And, and not only were you right, you were super right because, you know, it became the most popular piece of VR software on the planet, I think still to this day, right, is the most popular, most played uh, game experience in VR. So maybe tell us that story, because I think a lot of people would love to hear that story. Sure. So it's interesting, like, a lot of this too, because I love games, I play games, I think about games and game design, I had my own game studio. So a lot of it was trying to think about like, what are good VR games? What makes a great VR game? And a lot of what me and my uh, my partner, Marco, you know, who also comes from gaming, were like, has to be VR native design, especially embracing like gesture technology, has to be, you know, simple, like easy to pick up, hard to master, all these kind of basic things, but things that a lot of games at the time were kind of foregoing. It's like, hey, no, we just want to put, Call of Duty or Fortnite into VR. And we're like, no, 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 no. Like gaming is really about the input more than the display. And understanding that one-to-one -one gesture control really changes things. And things that embrace that would really be, uh, so, so really the story of Beat Saber, honestly, a lot of it starts with alchemy. Because alchemy was the first one to really prove that. A lot of people looked at alchemy games, especially in like screenshots and just like, this doesn't even look like a good game. What is this? But when they saw people playing it or when they played it themselves and they saw the, that interactivity and that joy of that like interactivity and it really proved was, like, this is the- Was Job the Simulator was Job Simulator the first thing that Alchemy came yes. out with? Or, well, yeah. Their first VR game, like their first official first, VR, VR game. True VR, so, right. VR experiments before, but that right. was the one that was like really like, okay, this is the way, uh, like this is what's going to succeed in VR. And they knocked it out of the park. And yeah, they were huge, huge, right? Yeah. Right. And so, and what was funny was, uh, like Alex, you know, uh, CEO and co-founder at the time, he was like, hey, Tipitat, like he, he invited us to join. And he was like, Tipitat, I recognize you from the Matrix demo that you made. <laughs> and so you know, connecting it full circle, I was like, oh, well, that helped open the doors and helped, I believe, get us into alchemy where he was like, right. okay, Tipitat would be a good person to have you know, as an investor on our team. Anyways, so then like when I first heard of Beat Saber, it was actually through uh, YUR, another startup that we know and we're talking to, and, and they're, they're very successful, doing very well right now. Uh, they're a mixed reality capture startup, right? And they were helping to create some of the most viral videos of how people are in VR and what right. VR games they can look like. And they had early access to Beat Saber. We're like, oh my God, this is, we just did this thing. It's going to be a hit. You got to check it out. So he sent me the, you know, the link that, of course, the viral video that went crazy. And you just look at it and you're like, wow, that, that's amazing. That looks fun. Like, okay. But then he, 
you know, connected me to the developers and they were going to be at GDC. And so we got to try it at GDC. And this was right before they launched. And we tried it. And as soon as you play it, you know, like yeah. they get it. Like there's so much polish and there's so much love into that game. And, you know, as soon as they play, I was like, this is going to be huge. I, I didn't know how huge it was, but I was like, this is going to be one of the, like, this is definitely the best thing I saw. And what was also interesting too was, every other developer from Alchemy and others that had early access to it, because, you know, the community of developers all talk to each other. They're always like, oh, tip tap, this is a great game. You got to play. And it's so rare for VR developers who are burnt making their own VR for them yeah, to actually play yeah. another VR game and actually like push it. So I was just like, okay, but, but man, like there's just so many things, like, especially for me, what I really love, like there was this moment, even in the very first demo, like the very first level I played where, you know, you have to duck. And then the next level, you swing your down and you kind of stand up. And it's like, oh, wow, they understand body movement mm -hmm. and how important body movement is and the right body movement is to making a great VR experience. And, you know, and I talked to them and they're like, yeah, yeah, no, we hand map, all, we, we do all of our own choreography. We don't have an AI analyze it because we wanted to control the movement and right. just how thoughtful and, and the fact that they're all musicians. And I felt like they were almost doing this thing where they were like blending, you know, bringing this physicality of, of almost playing a musical instrument and, and how they control the beat. And when they said, oh yeah, our, our CEO, uh, Charles Lau, he actually makes all of the music. I was like, oh my God, that's insane. And what's funny is like, if you just described it, you're like, hey, tip tap, there's this company from the Czech Republic, three main developers, a couple of contractors, they're making a music rhythm game. It's single player, and there's ten songs made by the CEO that are unlicensed. Like, like no, eh, stars. You're like that makes no sense. But yeah. when you play it, you're yeah. like, oh my god. Yeah, but yo, it's honestly, so engaging, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, you try it, and you're like yes. And what was and funny they, was, and then they continued to succeed, and then eventually, you know, Zuckerberg played it a lot, and he's like, we should get these guys, and then and it got fired. What's really interesting though, too, is like, and this was all happening during the VR winter. When everyone's like, oh my gosh, VR is dead, you know, oh, you know, like sales weren't that great. Like there wasn't, a lot. and I was like, no, like we saw Alchemy, they're making millions. Like it's possible to succeed even in the winter. And so it was really interesting was, yeah, I talked to the you know, Beat Saber guys and honestly, they're almost done with the game. They're like, we don't really need funding. And when they launched, they made like 2 million in the first month, which was unheard of at the time. We're like, right. oh my God. I mean, this is before the quest, right? So this is like, you know, this was just on Steam. I think they hadn't even released on PSVR. Yeah. And so it was just insane to think, okay, yeah, if you create something really amazing, yeah, definitely the people will come. And, and so, you know, a lot of them too would say, hey, tip tap, we know that you're involved with Alchemy. We know that you'd help them a little bit. Like we would love your support as well. And so, the, you know, they didn't need money, but they're like, hey, you know, now that the game actually succeeded wilder than their, their initial dreams. Like they were like, if we could, if we could get like a hundred thousand dollars back, 200, like $500,000 back, we would recoup the cost. Like we'd be happy, you know, like that was their dream at the time, you know? Yeah. And so it's like, now it's like, okay, this is a runaway success. What do we do with it? How do we, you know, how do we become a studio, like a big studio? Like what's the opportunity? And that's where we were able to help them. And especially when, you know, Meta, Facebook at the time keep calling and say, hey, we want to acquire you. We're able to help them be like, hey, you know, okay, this is what you guys are worth. Make sure you get right. what you're worth. You it's know? a pretty good out. Yeah, you should. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. Amazing. And but I see you were also in, in Wave, which is yes. also, uh, uh, despite a stutter step going on, probably going to be acquired by meta as well 
Yeah, Wave is a, also another really interesting story. So remember, I was doing VR demos of my little Matrix demo, and I think it was at SVVR, one of like the VR like first VR meetup groups yep. when they did their little conference. Uh, uh, I shouldn't say little when they're doing their one of their first VR conferences. I was at this table demoing my Matrix experience, and next to me was Aaron Lemke showcasing his like meditative VR experience. I remember. Yeah. And, I and so we're next to each other as like, you know, peers showing off our demos, not making any money, but just sharing our passion for VR. And he was from Texas. And, you know, we just talked about like optimizing VR experiences on the Mac. And, you know, we just stayed in touch. And eventually he connected with Adam and was like, hey, Tim, I'm kind of working on this thing. It's like, you know, concerts and VR. And I was like, okay, cool. And, and, you know, and I got to see it early on and see them progress. And I remember finally, you know, like, when they're getting or they're serious like this is what we want to do they showed me the demo and i was like okay yeah let me know how i can support you guys this is amazing but it's, it's definitely one of those like weird interesting like <laughs> sorry i have so many of these weird stories i could share with you but back in the time before i was working at the incubator and i told you i'd worked at samsung i was trying to find a, a job in the industry right one of the few companies that was doing a lot of vr stuff was dreamworks and they had this awesome, yeah. like, you know, DreamWorks, you know, VR division. And I was like, oh my gosh, they're one of the few people like that had the money doing crazy, interesting things. Yeah, our, so friend, our friend Brad Herman was there, who was another VR, early VR native who ended up getting acquired by Apple, right? So he's so, deep in Apple world now. Brad and Shiraz, right? So yeah. I applied yeah, yeah, for a spaces. job there with my Matrix demo as my like, yeah. <laughs> and they're like, tip tat, sorry, you know, like, yeah. We think you're very interested, really talented, but yeah, you know, we don't really you know, need you, a guy like you right now. But I think within a year and a half of getting rejected by Brad Shiraz, when they left DreamWorks to do their own startup spaces, they're like, hey, tip a tat. Right. <laughs> we would love to have you as an investor. Sure. Yeah. And, and, and it's kind of crazy to me to think like that trajectory of like asking them to, for a job to them asking money from my fund and then eventually having a great outcome, you know, signed to Apple. You're like, well, and, and as you're talking about all this in the back of your, your backdrop is the, the logo for rec room and rec room is one of your more recent investments that has a really interesting trajectory and could end up being bigger than all of these things. Right. Because oh, yeah. what it's doing. Yeah. I mean, that was another interesting one where too, we were one of the first checks into rec room. We met them early on. They had just launched, um, <laughs> I remember, I remember that actually. And the way I actually met them, it was really funny. So I had a meeting with uh, Clay, oh, not Clay, sorry, uh, with Joe, Joe from Google Ventures. And yeah. they were one of the few people that were writing checks into VR companies. And we we're just talking about the landscape, the ecosystem, and, you know, just sharing notes. And I wanted to learn from Joe because he was one, of, you know, a VR investor I really respected. As I'm leaving his office, I see his next meeting, these guys carrying a Vive with them. And at the time, yeah, like that's what you had to do. You had to bring the VR with yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, of course. I just thought them and I was just like, hey, are you guys a VR startup? And then Joe was like, oh yeah, you should know these guys. And that's actually how I met them. It was just <laughs> totally random, you know, <laughs> but yeah. No, well, it's on it's random, but it's not random because you put yourself in the right environment and those moments of inspiration, serendipity happen, right? Yeah, yeah, And definitely. that's why you're doing what you're doing is because you were so passionate about it that you found your way to constantly be connected to all these people that were doing interesting things. And you saw, maybe they're a good investment. Let's see what happens. And it became a career. It's really, it's a great career. It's a really interesting, very yeah, this unique. This is a great story. This is a great episode. Uh, let me wrap it up with um, one uh, question for you, which is, is the slowdown in the economy and the slowdown in venture investing going to cool the market for VR development and VR companies, or is that going to accelerate no matter what happens? 
with the overall. It's accelerating. I mean, I think this is something that we've seen in, in previous the past too. Like even when there's a, a, a downturn or something, you know, gaming and entertainment still remains very strong in terms of as businesses, as opportunities. And especially because we're seeing, you know, ByteDance, acquiring Pico, going in hard. I think, we're, you know, that was the thing we needed the most in industry is more competition. It couldn't just be meta. Even though they were doing great things and the quest is fantastic, we needed more players in the space. So Pico with that ByteDance TikTok money going in hard, Sony PlayStation VR 2, you know, at the Tokyo Game Show, you know, all this feedback, people get hands on and they're like, oh my God, this is amazing. This is really like the next big evolution in what VR experiences can be. So just knowing how big this ecosystem's growing and also knowing too, like thinking that the Quest app store is the first new app store since the smartphone to do over a billion dollars in revenue. And that there's hundreds of companies making at least a million dollars. But the top games in the Quest store are doing tens of millions and a hundred million and over a hundred million in revenue. And that's possible today, not like two, five years from now. Like that's already happening. So now it's just growing and growing from there. So I'm definitely seeing a lot more investors wanting to invest. But I will say the bar is much higher now. And what I also think is interesting too is now we're a self-sustained ecosystem where you can really launch a game without having VC funding, prove you're successful in the market. And then as you think about, oh, expanding the company, going big there. And so we're kind of seeing the industry grow up a little bit, but I'm also seeing too, a lot of good funding deals that are happening, you know, and also a lot of great startups that don't even need funding that are just doing- like self-sustaining things, right? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Like yeah. I, I look out there and I just see like these, you know, especially entrepreneurs that I've known through the years where it's like, okay, they're struggling, they're making, and the quest came out, that the audience, that appetite, you know, and now they're making five to 10 million in revenue. And it's just like, man, they're, it's happening. Right. Super wow. cool. Super cool. Tipitat, thank you for a great episode. Thank you for the education. Thank you for everything you've done for all of us in the XR industry and for being such a great supporter and leader. Uh, I've learned a lot from you and, um, I wish you a great weekend and continued success. Uh, goodbye, everybody. Thank you. And honestly, I feel like I, you know, I didn't get to say thank you so much for the work that you guys do. Honestly, like I, I, it's a lot of this is you know going to the conferences, learning from you guys, you know, working together, you know, talking about technology and trends and things that we're interested yeah. in or things that we're just, like all of the stuff has helped me so much. I, I so I really grateful. appreciate what you guys do. I'm grateful and, to be part of this community. Thank you for finally should, having me on. It was really exciting. I know. So, so you should long come back. We, you're you're definitely someone that I would put in the should be back with as a regular club. Tibetat's right? a good candidate for the year in review, which we absolutely do in a couple months. So we'll yeah. we'll be in touch. I'm sure Excellent. we'll see you around. It's great to be back in the real, by the way. Excellent. Thank you so much, guys. Cheers. Enjoy Bye. the weekend. Bye.